listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. Thank you, Jesus. You're so amazing, Jesus. Never leave us or forsake us. Always with us. Leading us, guiding us, loving us, holding us. At our lowest moments, at our highest moments, you're always there. You're always there. With us. Jesus, we thank you. of peace the prince of peace is here your prince of peace your prince of peace to whatever you're going through he's with you leading you guiding you walking with you he is your prince of peace Thank you for peace in this place this morning, Jesus. For your peace that passes all understanding, covering hearts and minds, encompassing situations, things that we're going through. I thank you, Father, for your peace. I speak to storms that are going on in people's lives, and we declare peace. Be still. Be still. Peace, be still. In Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, that there is a knowing right now in our hearts that you are standing with us. You are standing with us. Whatever it is that we're going through, you are right there with us. I don't need to fear a thing for your rod and your staff. They comfort me because you're with me, because you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, praise and worship team. Thank you, Jesus. Well, happy Mother's Day to all of the women here. I was thinking this morning as I was uh, getting ready, I was thinking about anointing and gracing that God gives us. And I was thinking about how God anointed me to pastor. He gave me the gracing to pastor. And it isn't always easy. And sometimes you're not ever sure really which way you're going, but there's an anointing that steps in that, that, that you're able to walk through it. And then I was thinking about, I was thinking about charity, leading worship, angel leading worship. There's an anointing. Not all of us can do it. Did you know that? Not all of you can lead worship. <laughs> but there's an anointing to lead worship that when, when you step out it, step out in it, there's suddenly you're just like, oh man, I didn't need, I wasn't going to sing this or I wasn't going to say this. And 
and there's there's an anointing for it. For those that are in business, that have their own business, there's an anointing. God gives you strategies. There's a grace that you carry. For those of you in certain jobs, I know at one point in time, I waitressed. There was an anointing for me to waitress. I was good at it. I loved it. There was a grace gift that helped me remember the things that I needed to remember and encourage the people that were sitting there. There's anointing. God places us in certain places with anointing and gives us the anointing to do it. And I was thinking about that this morning. And the reason I was thinking about it is because I was thinking about moms. And oftentimes we think moms, I'm a mom because I gave birth to a child. That's what makes me a mom. And technically, yes. But God gave you an anointing. Every woman, every woman, not just if you carried your own babies, every woman has an anointing to mother to nurture, to love, to carry in your heart. It's different. It just is. And so sometimes I think that we think, well, I'm just, I'm just a mom because of. And I wanted to remind you today, no, there's an anointing that you carry on your life. I was thinking back to my own childhood being not even, I mean, being a pastor's kid, your parents travel a lot. Your parents aren't always around. There were women that spoke to my life. Women that, you know, would say, hey, don't dress like that when your mom's not around, <laughs> you know? You don't need to wear that much makeup. Or ones that would come around me and love me and, and comfort me when I was feeling down. They would just know. They would just pick up on it. When my mom passed away, there were women that came around me that loved on me. There's an anointing to mother, to encourage, to love. And I just wanted to let you know that today, that you, women, all of you, God has graced you with the gift of motherhood. And we're thankful for you. We bless you in that. And that when, when it gets hard, you know, sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes carrying, sometimes the weight of just carrying people in your hearts is hard that God says there's grace for it. There's anointing for it. I've called you for it. I've called you for it. And so I just, I just wanna let you know we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for you, moms. Adam, is there something I need to know about my mic before we, no, we're good, okay. So we're gonna start in Nehemiah and today is for sure the end of the series that we have been in. And so we're gonna end in Nehemiah 7. I have been very excited for this message since almost the beginning of it because God began to show me we were, where we were headed, where we were going um, as the body of Christ and what's happening in the days ahead. And I'm excited about it. We're gonna talk about celebration today on our journey in, in Nehemiah. But I'm excited about it. So we're going to start in Nehemiah 7, verse 1, and it says, After the wall was finished, remember, we've been on this journey of them building the wall, right? They've been building and building. And so it says, After the wall was finished, and I had set up the doors and the gates, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Levites were appointed. I gave the responsibility of governing Jerusalem to my brother Hananiah, along with Hananiah, the governor or the commander of the fortress, for he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. 
I said to them, do not leave the gates open during the hottest part of the day. And even while the gatekeepers are on duty, have them shut and bar the doors. Appoint the residents of Jerusalem to act as guards. Everyone is on regular watch. Some will serve at sentry posts and some on the front of their own homes. I thought this was interesting because I know that we've talked about along this, in this series, about all of us, the body of Christ being on watch, praying for one another, understanding that there is a war that goes on and we are to stand in the gap for one another. Last week we read in Ephesians where it said um, to pray at all times. And then it says, not just pray for yourself, but pray for others. Why? Because we're all in this together. I, I, I need your prayer, but I also need to be praying for you. We need to be covering, standing on watch for one another. Then in verse 4 it says, At that time the city was large and spacious, but the population was small, and none of the houses had been rebuilt. So my God gave me the idea to call together all the nobles and leaders of the city, along with the ordinary citizens for registration. I had found the genealogical record of those who had first returned to Judah. This is what was written there. And so he goes on to list all of the people from all over, how many people there were, how many people came from what family. It was, it was the genealogies of all of them. He begins to list it all. And as I was reading this, you know, it was, it's talking about the city being big and the walls had been built, but it wasn't full. And it said that the homes hadn't been rebuilt. And I just felt the spirit of the Lord say that in this season, in this time that we are entering into a time where he's rebuilding homes, rebuilding families, where there has maybe been unforgiveness from one person to the next, or maybe there's sibling rivalry, maybe you haven't talked to a sibling in a long time, or, or mother and daughter, or father and son, or either way around, but there has been broken relationship within the family. I heard the Lord say, I love families. And I heard him say, I am bringing restoration and reconciliation. There will be a rebuilding of families in this time. And so you can begin to believe for it, begin to, begin to grab a hold of it, because God says, I, I'm in the middle of this. And as I, as, as I was reading that, as he was talking to me, I said, how do we do that? And he said, you listen to my voice. When I say, go talk to that person. When I say, go ask for forgiveness. When I say, call them up. When I say, humble yourself. Whatever I say, do that. Do that. Because my hand is on restoration of families in this city. I love them. I love families. There's a rebuilding happening. It talks about, you know, recognizing that the reason that they had scattered it, a lot of them had been in exile, that they had gone off and done their own thing, and so some were far off and gone. And I heard the Lord say that I'm bringing them home. I'm bringing them home. And whether that means home physically, or it means home in their hearts, where they have felt disconnected, estranged. Some, I'm bringing them home. That you will see in this season that there'll be a reconnection. It will be different. It won't look the same. But there'll be a healing, a deep healing that takes place.
And I heard the Lord say, I've counted them. I've counted them. Just like in Nehemiah where they knew they were all accounted for. I heard the Lord say, I've counted them. I know them. I see them. I'm speaking with them. I have not missed them. I have not discarded them. I have counted them. And I just felt that in this season we're moving into rebuilding of families. Maybe some with even, even maybe our families are, you know, you're like, well, you know, it could be better. It could be, it, it could be greater, but we're all home. We're all there. I don't know what it is, but I just heard that there was, there was a greater anointing, a greater depth that was coming and taking place within families. So then we go to Nehemiah 8. The wall has been completed. It says, all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. I love that. Recognize it says they were together and they were in unity together for a purpose. This is what God has been calling us to lately. It's what you hear all the time is unity, unity, unity. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read out loud to everyone who would understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on the high wooden platform that had been made for this occasion. To his right stood some men and to his left stood some more men. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. I heard the Lord say that, that, that we are entering into a time of incredible reverence and awe for the obedience of God. That he would begin to speak and we would hold it with incredible reverence, incredible awe. Where in previous times we may have not listened fully or kind of wavered with it, I, I heard that there was a reverence coming to the church in awe. I was reading in Ezekiel this last week, I've been reading in Ezekiel for a bit. And, and God's talking to the people and he's like, you know, you, you, you're not listening. You didn't listen. And I did all of this for you. And I've done this for you. And it's just, it, it's so beautiful because it's the heart of God being like, I, I, I keep setting things up for you. I keep doing things for you, but you keep disobeying. You keep turning to idols. You keep looking to other things. And, and he, he really is like, I just love you so much. I just love you so much. And in Ezekiel 20, one of the verses that he says in, in a few of the verses in Ezekiel 20, he says this, and this is me paraphrasing because I can't think of exactly how it goes. But he says, I gave you obedience or asked for your obedience because the obedience meant life for you. And that broke me. It broke me. The obedience, I asked for obedience because it meant life. Because I wanted I wanted you to live and really live. I required it of you because I loved you. And I felt it in this time that there would be this place where it's like the Lord has spoken. And that's what matters most. 
Then in verse 6, it says, Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and the people chanted, Amen, Amen. And they lifted their hands, and then they bowed down, and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And the Levites then explained to the people what was being read. He was reading the word, and not everyone understood what was going on, so they placed people within the congregation to be like, this is, this is what's being said. This is what, so that everyone could understand what was being said. So then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day. Another version says, For today is a holy day. Before the Lord your God, for the people had all been weeping as they were listening to the words of the law. They started, they started crying and mourning because they realized that they had walked away, that they had been walking away from God and, and realizing the error of their ways. So they started to mourn and weep and they were like, no, 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 guys, that's not the time. This isn't the time. And then Nehemiah continues and he says, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich food and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites too quieted the people telling them, Hush, don't weep for this is a sacred day, is a holy day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they heard God's word and understood them. This is what the Lord was showing me at the beginning, that we are entering into celebration. We are entering into a time of celebration. And, and in thinking about this, I think sometimes we separate God from celebration. We think that God is in the church. God is in our worship services and our prayer time. God's in our alone time and our scripture reading time. And he will show up when we are together and we're talking about God, but he doesn't like to have fun. God's not in the celebratory part, but he is, but he is. You know, when you read through scripture, you'll see that God will call for a solemn assembly. He will call for a fast. He, he does. He will call for the, the, them to assemble and get ready and prepare for war. But more than any of that, he calls for celebration. He calls for feasts of celebration. It's time to celebrate, guys. It's time to celebrate. God loves to celebrate. And there are times where you're like, hand to the plow, we're focusing, we, we got some stuff to do. But then there's times of celebration. And I felt like we have come out of a place where we have been building, where we've been working, where we're, we've been focused. There's, we're, we're trying to keep people alive, right? We're trying to keep people safe, or we're trying to keep people from, from not getting, you know, just overwhelmed with everything going. There's been those things. And then I heard God say, now it's time for celebration. It's what we're walking into. It's a good thing. Then I started to think about that and I started to think about celebrations. When we celebrate in natural. I think about my birthday. And I was telling the first service, I love my birthday. 
I think that everyone should love their birthday and celebrate you on your special day. It is your day. You should celebrate you. But I begin to, you know, in our family anyways, we, we think birthdays are important. So we start talking about them at the beginning of the month. Like, what do you want to do for your birthday? And we start making plans for things that would be fun. Or we think about Christmas. We have lots of people over at our house at Christmas. Jarrett and I both have big families, so we separate it on Christmas Day is one family and on Boxing Day is the next family. And this was pre-COVID, so, <laughs> so you know, one on Christmas is like 25 people, 20 to 25 Boxing Day is the same amount of people. And that takes a lot of planning. You don't just show up at my house and I hope that I have enough, right? I'm not like fishes and the loaves and Jarrett and I are praying and just hoping we can feed you all. It, we, there's planning that takes place. Even for all of us at Christmas, even if you have small amounts of people, there's a celebration that's taking place. So we begin to buy the presents. We need to, what are we going to cook? What is Christmas going to look like? We begin to talk about it and prepare and we begin to focus towards it. So at the beginning of December, Jarrett and I, our Christmas, or Christmas bill, our food bill usually goes up because we begin to stockpile for everyone coming. All the pop and all the chips and all the special cheeses and all the special crackers and all of the things as you begin to prepare. But what happens is you go from what was just everyday ordinary and you begin to focus on something else. Focus for a celebration that's about to come. And I felt like the Lord say that it's time for us to begin to focus, to refocus and begin to prepare for celebration that's coming soon, not far off, soon. That we have been focused on the things that are going on around us, trying to make it through, like I said, trying to make everyone else, help everyone else get it through. Not sure when we were coming out of it, out of any of it. I mean, uh, even COVID aside, right? Like it's just been, there's been lots. We're coming out of it. I want you to hear the spirit of the Lord say, no, no, celebration's coming now. It's, it, it's time to refocus. So how do you refocus? You begin to move your heart from a place of surviving, getting through it, to moving to hoping again. That, that when you go into survival mode, you, you're not really hoping or building towards anything. You're just surviving and making it through. And I heard God say, it's time for us to hope again. You can begin to dream again. You can begin to think of thing, things that things to come, things that you hope for, dreams that maybe you had put aside because of everything that was going on. He says, it's time for you to dream. It's time for you to hope again because celebration is coming. We talked about a verse last week that said that to not to grow weary in doing good things for the season of reaping will come. The season of reaping is coming. It's coming. And I felt like the Lord, every time I had gone to preach this, because I was really excited about it, I'm like, yes, celebration. I could see it. I could feel it. I knew it was coming. Every time the Lord was like, no, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. 
And then I knew last week as I was preparing that this was the week. And God doesn't do things. Time is in his hands. Time matters to him. He doesn't do things just whenever. He marks things. And I felt like he's declaring to us today, marked this day, celebration. Begin to turn your hearts. Even begin to hold on to it. No, I know, I know what this looks like in this moment, but I am preparing my heart. A lot of times when you're in the middle of battle, you, you can get stuck. Have you ever done this? Here's a good example. Have you ever done this where you've been busy, 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 and you're just like, I'm busy, I'm busy from morning till night, and you just get in that groove, you're just busy. And then when all of those tasks that you had are done, then you don't know what to do with yourself. It's hard to relax because it's, you're like, I've just been used to being busy. And it takes time for you to settle into, okay, I've got some extra time, I can relax. I felt like it was, it was this, it's the same type of scenario where we've been working through, getting through, building, doing things. We, we, we've, we've just been trying to get through it. Now all of a sudden the Lord says, okay, now I want you to refocus. To celebrating. Get ready. Set your heart. Celebration is coming. I see what's going on right now. Celebration is coming. I'm not going to keep focusing on that no more. Celebration's coming. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm getting ready for it. And whatever God's speaking to your heart about it now, maybe he's like, you know, put that away. Stop. Or maybe he's like, hey, let's, let's have that conversation again about some things in your heart. Whatever it is, it's time to celebrate. And so then as I end this today, I was reading another last verse in Nehemiah. And I thought it was interesting, so I'm going to read it, and then I'll, I'll tell you kind of what God was showing me. And it's verse 13. On October 9th, the family leaders of all people, together with the priests and the Levites, met with Ezra the scribe to go over the law in great detail. And they studied the law. They discovered that the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should live in shelters during the festival to be held that month. He had said that a proclamation should be made throughout their towns and in Jerusalem, telling the people to go to the hills to get branches from olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, other leafy trees. It says as they were reading it, they suddenly discovered that there was things that were spoken previous. things that they should do, things that had been written about them. And I felt the spirit of the Lord tell me to go and get the vision that was previously written at the beginning this church started in 1988. I was six years old. And my father moved from Saskatoon here. Planted a church at the time. It was called Prince Albert Christian Center. Later to be called Prince Albert Family Church. And then later to be called Embassy. And many changes have come throughout the years. Changes we couldn't have foreseen at the beginning. We we didn't know. Kirsty remembers. 
but there was a mandate that had been prayed and sought after God that he gave for the church. And I felt like the Lord said, go back and read the vision. And so I'm going to read it to you today as a remembrance of who we are and what God has called us to. It says, we believe the church should reflect every expression of him and who we represent. While this is our church, in reality, it belongs to the God whom we serve since we were bought with a price and are not our own. From the beginning, which was August of 1988, God told us that this church would be a spiritual hospital. And we have never forgotten that. For it was placed on our hearts. From that time to this, the vision continues. And as we look back through the years, we know that has been since the beginning. We know that God will add to his church and trust him to do that, but we also know that we should not get sidetracked from the scriptural mandate for the church, which allows us to exist for God. So this is the following of the mandate that God gave us many years ago. We are a house of prayer. For my house, Isaiah, 5, Isaiah 56 says, for my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. We are an evangelistic house. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are a healing house. According to Luke 9, 2, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Matthew 10, verse 7 to 8 says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He says, We are an equipping house. We make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. I am with you even to the end of the age. We are a family house. We are a worshiping house. The Bible says, for the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is seeking such to worship him. We are a worshiping house. We are a pastoral house. We are a treasure house house that will fund nations, ministries. We are a prophetic house. And we are an apostolic house. And he finished it like this, the expression of Prince Albert Family Church is furthered in the vision from the beginning, we were shown a church of many hundreds of people who have come through the healing process of the spiritual hospital 
and stayed to help others. He showed us the ministries that would be an integral part of who we are to the nations. He explained to us that we would be as a light or a beacon on the riverbank to not only the Prince Albert area, but to the north as well. And yet the vision continues to grow on the inside of us, for God only gives us what we can carry at a time. That last part just about broke me when I read it because in 1988, things looked different and we couldn't have known, we couldn't have known the things that we would go through, the places that we would be. We couldn't have known any of it. And so God shows you in part but he lays down mandates. He lays down callings. He lays down giftings on you. He says, this is, this is who you are. This is who I say that you are. And where I think it's important that I read it as a church to us online here as to where we're going because I believe there's celebration that will take place in the body of Christ. I also believe that there's celebration that's going to take place in your own homes and in your own lives. But that vision is important and, 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 and for some of us we've let go of things that, that were when it's God that said, I called them. I've appointed them. That there's visions and dreams that in 1988, I'm sure as my father wrote what God was showing him probably looked a lot different to him than what they do today. And that there's things in your own hearts, in your own life, that as God began to speak them to you and breathe to you in them, and those became alive, they look different to you. And then today, now you're having trouble grasping with what it actually looks like because I thought it was supposed to look like this. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. It's actually looking like this. You couldn't have possibly known what you were going to go through or how you were going to get there. But now you're here and now it looks different. But it hasn't changed. The plan that I have for you, it hasn't changed. The calling that I have on your life, it hasn't changed. The mandate that's on your life, it has not changed. It may look different, but it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. And so for those of you that that you've disqualified yourself you haven't or thought that because of the waiting because it took so long that you must have been forgotten or you must have missed it along the way that's not true the plan and the gift and the calling of God on your life is for this moment. 
And so I just release over you here today and those watching online that days of celebration are coming into your life, that there is celebration that's coming. I thank you, Father, for days of incredible joy, that, Father, as they leave here today, that they can feel the joy of the Lord bubbling up on the inside of them, that they leave here and they know that suddenly there is a spark that's been lit on the inside of them, that joy bubbles up, joy bubbles up on the inside of them. Father, I thank you for days of renewed strength on the inside of them, renewed strength on the inside of them as they walk into some of the greatest days of their life. And I declare right now that there is an anointing, there is a gracing in family right now, that reconciliation is taking place, that there are hearts that are being turned back to mothers, hearts that are being turned back to fathers and fathers to mothers and mothers and mothers to daughters and mothers to sons in the name of Jesus. I thank you for reconciliation between siblings. I thank you, Father God, that what the enemy meant for evil is being turned around for good and this will affect generations. that this is a generational mandate. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I even declare over the vision spoken at the beginning of 1988 that this is a generational mandate. And the enemy tried to steal it. And he won't have his way. And I declare that over families, there have been generational family lines that God has spoken and God has blessed and God has called and God has said good will come forth from this and the enemy has tried to stop it. He's tried to stop it and I say that the name of Jesus that is broken right now will not be stopped. And I call for generations to come forth. Generational blessing come forth. Jesus name in Jesus name Father we just thank you I just thank you for excitement I thank you Father that hope is renewed today that, that we look now as we begin to move forward we look forward in excitement for the joy of celebration in Jesus name Amen Amen about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.